Welcome to the Lake Mac Way, where we spend some time with our people who make Lake Macquarie a great place to live and work. Brendan, welcome to the Lake Mac Way. Now, this is um, the podcast series that uh, members of the Lake Mac Council, employers at the Lake Mac Council, get to be part of and to, to tell others within the council and the world. Uh, wide web, if you like, because these podcasts are available to to just about anyone, a little bit about themselves and their story, as well as what you do here at council. So I might start with the the job, okay? How long have you worked here? I've worked at Lake Mac Council for coming up on three and a half years now. Uh, I've been in my current position um, delivering uh, roads infrastructure projects for about nine months. So yeah, my role is to deliver a, um, I've actually got two teams underneath me. One does all of the driveway applications and, and those sort of things. And the other one is a team of project managers that deliver um, infrastructure, roads, drainage, bridge type projects for our community. Now, how did you get into that role? I mean, you say you've been doing that for the, you know, for the, the last nine months. What about prior to that? Yeah, so prior to that, I was working as a project manager on the community asset delivery side. Um, <clears throat> but my background is in civil engineering. Um, so I yeah, was delivering uh, things like Thomas H. Alton Skate Park and the Swim Centre at Charlestown and all of that sort of uh, fun projects. Um, but I wanted to, to get an opportunity to lead um, a team of project managers to be able to deliver great outcomes for the community. So, uh, yeah, when the opportunity came up to work in the infrastructure asset delivery coordinator role, I uh, applied and originally wasn't successful. Um, but as as luck would have it, you know, uh, about a year later, the opportunity came up again and, um, yeah, it was offered the position. So, Was the role or is the role um, what you expected or are there some areas that you has caught you by surprise? No, generally speaking, it's um, yeah, it's it's what I expected. I um, and, and what I enjoy doing. The team's really good, and I'm really appreciative that I'm in the situation where I'm getting to help mould them and their their practices, and give my expertise, so that, um, yeah, we can deliver like great outcomes for the community. Generally speaking, what's it like to work here? The Lake Mac Council's got a good reputation. Yeah, so I'm fortunate enough to, this is the third council that I've worked for, um, and not to disparage any of the other two, but Lake Mac is, is by far been um, the best, but then again, I'm a Lake Mac boy, and so being able to deliver these projects for um, you know my friends and family um, and the people that I'm bumping into down at the shops, like, that aspect of it is brilliant um, and we've also got like a really empowering and forward-thinking leadership team um, so yeah that makes it really enjoyable to be able to work here. You said you're a Lake Mac boy so tell me exactly where which part of Lake Mac do you hail from? Yeah so on my mum's side we've been in Awaba since uh, the late uh, 1890s and then on dad's side we've been in Toronto since the early 1900s so western side of the lake uh, lived there all my life my parents are still out there 
Um, after finishing uni, I decided, you know, like some of the other people to go out and spread my wings and fly and managed to make it all the way out to Jesmond. Um, <laughs> but after a couple of years living out there, I was like, oh, this is this bustling metropolis is too much for me. I need to come back to um, to Lake Mac and now I live over Charles Stanley. So life growing up uh, a Wobba, Toronto area, um, was it an idyllic childhood? We you, you know, was it very chilled? What, what were you doing when you were a kid? Uh, it's pretty relaxed, you know. Like there, there aren't too many other um, kids out there, so there's a widespread age group of kids that would hang out together because you'd only have one or two that that were your age. And you know, I, I remember when I'd travel into the playground at Toronto thinking how massive it was because out at a wobble we'd just have uh, one swing and one slide. So, you know, I remember I, I had to go and play soccer out over at Belmont a couple of times and just thinking that we were going on like a tropical holiday because it's just so different to living up in the bush at a wobble where we didn't even have a corner shop or, or anything like that. Thinking that you might have to get your passport out to get to Belmont. Yeah, that's that was it, like... You didn't didn't realise back then as a kid. You went out there studying maps, so you know it took forever to drive around there. And you just thought, oh, this must be somewhere pretty exotic. Yeah. So as a kid, your your primary school is a Wobba primary school, correct? Uh, I went there for kindergarten and then went out to Acadia Vale Primary School, um, which you know made it difficult to to hang out with my friends after school since I. Uh, be going back to a Wobba, but um, yeah, Toronto High School, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a kid, um, any sport background, or were you more in the academic area? Um, <clears throat> I've always enjoyed playing sport, but I have a genetic condition um, that means that I don't have sweat glands, or teeth, or hair, for any of that matter, but uh, predominantly, you know, I don't have sweat glands, so I can't regulate my body temperature down, so as much as I've always loved sport, I've always known that, you know, it's not something that was going to lead into a great career path mm-hmm. for me, um, yeah, so I tended to, I wouldn't say that I was um, great at ac- academics, I mean, I always did really well, but I didn't actually do any study for it, so it was kind of by sheer chance, I guess, that I was always pretty successful and that eventually caught up to me when I was in uni and all of a sudden things were a lot harder and I had no idea how to study or, you know. Because you'd never needed to up to that point. That's it, yeah, um, which apparently is a pretty common thing. I'm in the process of getting um, diagnosed for ADHD and like that, that's apparently a pretty common symptom mm. back in the day that you just sort of skate through school and it wasn't too much of a problem. You didn't know that there was any issues until you get later in life and then it's, oh, heck, what do I do now? Tell me about the genetic condition you're diagnosed with. How do you get diagnosed with that to start with? So it's called ectodermal dysplasia and it's essentially anything that happens, you know, um, in the third stage of, of development when you're, you know, still in the fetus there. Um, And so it impacts um, no sweating, no teeth, no hair, uh, oils, eyes, all of those sort of things. Um, Back in the day, it was pretty difficult to get diagnosed. It was um, quite a number of months before um, 
the geneticists would travel up from Sydney once every now and again and see a whole bunch of kids on different days to work out what was wrong with them. Nowadays, things have sped up uh, a fair bit quicker. So one of my nephews um, has the same condition and um, you could, the doctor could tell, he, he walked in the day that he was born uh, doing his you know nightly checks or whatever and I was in the room and we all went to leave and I got halfway down the hallway and there was a call can you come back in here? There's uh, obviously something going on between the two of you because, um, yeah, we we have quite similar appearances, even um, like as a baby, just uh, the way that we look. So, how old were you when this took place? Were you diagnosed when you were a baby? Were you one year one year old? How old were you? I think I might have been about a year old, which. Um, like my birthday's in the middle of the year, which means that they didn't find out that I, I didn't sweat and whatnot until after the summer period, which wasn't great in the 80s. There wasn't a whole lot of air conditioners around the place, so probably would have been a pretty miserable child to uh, have been looking after back then. Mm. Um, I don't let it impact me too much, but at the same time, it's always, it's always there, ever-present, and... Um, so I've always known, you know, some kids wanted to grow up to be firemen or, you know, a builder or whatever else. I knew from the time that I was old enough to start having, you know, proper thoughts that I'm probably going to be something that's a bit more desk-bound and mm. where the air conditioner is going to be a plentiful. Mm. Um, yeah. With Brendan Wrightson today from uh, Lake Macquarie Council on the Lake Mac Way, so, Brendan, that's, I suppose, something you've had to manage and it's been a challenge for you. So what are the things that you've found have been good for you in managing that condition? Is there something you can, good as, you can do as far as your lifestyle is concerned, as far as your diet is concerned, as far as how much hydration you get that makes a difference, or, or medication even? There isn't really too much for, um, that you can really do. I mean, outside of making some smart choices in the way you choose to live your life to make sure that you're, you're around air conditioning and, and whatnot. But, you know, um, the thing that's probably influenced my life the most is um, the way that my parents treated me when I was growing up, which was um, they didn't really allow my condition to be an excuse at all. Um, and, you know, maybe a little bit of, of tough love in the, the way that they were doing it. Um, but it's made me really resilient, a lot more resilient than some of the other people that I've met with like a, a similar condition. Um, and so, you know, I mentioned I was never going to be great at sport, but I still play sport. I, I still now play soccer and basketball and I crack out my ice vests. And when I play soccer, I go through about six litres of water. When I play, used to play gridiron, I'd go through about 25 litres of water a game, just pouring it over the top of myself like a portable shower on the sideline in between snaps. So um, if you want to do it, you can be there. Sometimes I probably forget, you know, probably almost a little bit too resilient. Um, I was over in Rome once and it was, you know, the middle of a heat wave and I don't remember how I got back from the Colosseum to the hotel. I just remember waking up about 25 minutes later in the, in the shower of the hotel. Had you um, collapsed? <clears throat> I, I'd obviously made it home, put the shower on, and then I don't remember, like I don't remember how I got home after I left my partner, and uh, I don't remember being in the shower, but I 
just waking up and it's like, oh, well, I'm glad I got here safely, but I don't know how it happened, but that's lucky. Um, so I don't always make the smartest decisions, but for the most part, I've learned to um, deal with it and fairly good at managing it most of the time. You uh, mentioned your, your parents and how growing up they, you know, encouraged you to be resilient, didn't give you a, an opportunity to use the condition as as an excuse. What about role models and mentors through your life, through your teenage years? Are there a few people that stand out to you as that you are able to uh, look up to or gain inspiration from? Yeah, so I am, um, you know, living out at a Wobba, um, most of my friends weren't nearby and so I actually spent a lot of time with my mum's dad, my, my pop. Um, we used to spend, I'd stay there every single weekend and almost every day of the school holidays because it was you know, just a five minute walk away and he's influenced me um, a lot. He passed away just before my high school certificate um, test but Prior to that, you know, he, he was just a humble fellow that grew up at a Wobba, rarely travelled further because he said, you know, the last time someone put him on a train, he ended up overseas in a war. Um, so he wasn't too game to, to travel too far, but he just had a wicked sense of humour. And the way that he treated everyone, he he would treat them all equal all of the time. Um, and so he's probably one of the biggest influences that I've had on my life, sort of showed me who I want to be um, and giving me the wicked sense of humour that thankfully makes up for the rest of my quirks. So when you say it was a great example that you, your grandfather gave you in treating people exactly the same and you witnessed that, can you remember even now examples uh, can you go to and you can consciously remember, hey, granddad's okay because he's treated these people um, absolutely the same way and hasn't discriminated? No, not not specifically. It's more the awe and the presence of the memories that I have of him, the way that he interacted with everyone that we'd come across and, you know, we'd travel into Toronto and we're walking down the, the street and, you know, all the some of the people out in the wobba that didn't have a very good reputation, weren't particularly, you know, seen as part of the, the community in the same way, but to pop, he'd still walk over and check on them, you know, each day, see how they were going and that sort of thing. And, yeah. That, that's stuck in your memory. That's it. It's, um, it's one of those uh, memories that forms at such a young age that even as you're... Even as the recollections start to fail, the, the feeling and sense that you get is still there from, from the core of it. What about your parents? You just touched on them a moment ago. What sort of influence were, were they on you? Um, Tried to keep you out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. I, as I get older, I start to realise um, just the sort of impact that they've had on me. Um, it's interesting, so I'm in the process of, of getting diagnosed for um, ADHD and autism and you read a lot of these things and, and people go, oh, I always felt so different. Uh, and But in hindsight, looking back at my family, like it's, it's very clear that my mum's a bit ADHD and my dad's a bit Aspie and um, 
between the when two. When you say that, a bit ADHD and a bit, and Dad's a bit Aspie, is that just because you've read the signs and the symptoms of uh, Asperger's and also of ADHD and you're going, well, that's you that's, uh, and that's Dad? Uh, or have they actually been tested? So they haven't been tested, um, but my mum always says that her mum said that if she was born in the 90s, she'd have ADD. If she was born in the 80s, she would have been oppositional. If she was born in the 70s, she'd be hyperactive, but because she was born in the 60s, she was just a naughty kid. (laughs) Um, And on my dad's side, um, my grandfather, um, my dad, my aunt, they all... um, haven't got a formal diagnosis, but there is a clear like family lineage there um, of it, and you know my of ADHD of uh, Asperger's. So on the spectrum, yeah, yeah. So my aunt has studied it and stuff, and um, yeah, there's a very like uh, as in um, university sort of studied, and um, yeah, it's it's very clear that we've got a strong family line of it, um, but to me. Because I had that, I wasn't any different growing up. I was just like, oh, yeah, I see the way that Dad views this. Or, oh, yeah, Mum's running around and I'm similar. And that's just how my family upbringing was. And so I never felt that um, ostracised or out of it or like I was different to anyone else because my family was quite similar, Mm -hmm. which... um, which was a great way to, to grow up. Um, but now that I'm out here in the real, real world and sort of getting a bit better understanding of how it all impacts me, um, yeah, it's something that I've looked to go on and get formal diagnosis. And there's a lot of stigma, like a lot of stigma that's still heavily attached to it. Um, I've you know missed out on jobs and things that, in the past because of things like that and... Uh, one of the reasons that I'm so intent on you know, getting the, the diagnosis and that is that I want to show um, people with the condition that you can continue to go up through um, more of a softer people-type roles, like in um, team leading and, and management and show them, you know, provide them with someone to look up to, while also showing people that are already in those roles that you don't have to fear... Um, people that have yeah, a different way of viewing the world. You're listening to The Lake Mac Way today. Brendan Wrightson is my guest. So how do you go about that? If you want to show people that you can achieve, which you have with uh, what you think is ADHD and also slightly on the Asperger's spectrum, how do you go about showing them? Are you going to become a spokesperson? Are you going to become an advocate? Are you going to be interviewed about it? Are you going to write about it? What's your plan? Um, so I think it's just about being clear in my communication um, and like clear and open in the way that I communicate this um, when I'm talking to people within the organisation. You know, I don't... It used to be something that I would hide. Um, so it was first brought to my attention probably about... 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And, and how old were you then? Uh, 20, 25, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What someone actually said to you, Brendan, I've noticed this, mate, things aren't right. Yeah, so my um, partner at the time is a clinical psychologist and uh, she was the one that you know, handed me a, a book called um, 
the man who killed the dog in the dark or something like that. And um, she's like, oh, you know, this is what's, this is what's going on. Uh, she sort of said it jokingly at first and then I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yep. <laughs> and it, for a long time, I, yeah, I'd started to, to change the way that I, I act. I took it, took it seriously and went, okay, well, you've got two options when you're in this situation. You can either go, oh, well, that explains a lot and the rest of the world just needs to learn how to, to treat me and blame everyone else. Or you can go, um, that explains a lot. I don't want to necessarily be seen that way. And I can, now that I understand this, change the way that I act. And so I've been working a lot over the last 10 years to, to really work on those core skills and empathy and the way that I view and interact with the world. But I still kept it a secret because I was worried about the stigma impacting my potential for different job opportunities and, and the like. Um, but now, you know, I'm, I'm quite open about it. Um, I bring it up in interviews about how, how it can be a strength of mine, the ability to have bifocal vision of, of what's going on. Um, and just when I'm talking to people in the office, like I'm a lot more open with discussing it with them, um, how I see the world, particularly if I get the sense that they may knowingly or unknowingly be, um, you know, have some of these things as well. Um, yeah, I like to discuss it with them and just make it known. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is who I am. Yep, it's, it's different, but it doesn't need to stop what's going on. Because we're all different, aren't we? As, uh, you know, everyone's unique in their own way. Yeah, we we certainly are. Yeah. Tell me about, uh, you, you say, about being open. Uh, would there be many uh, council? I know there's over a 1,000 people who work here. Um, are you well known in council? I mean, would you know personally 200 of the staff here or would you know 100 of them, 50? What sort of numbers? Would you, would you have a guess? Um, I've been around long enough now that I'd probably know um, a couple of hundred for sure. Yep. And, and I know... Of that, um, there's definitely like a, a handful of individuals that I've spoken to that go through the same sort of situation as me, either clinically diagnosed or, or working towards it, but they're not comfortable in, in coming out and you know, letting everyone else know. And so for me, that's part of you know, why I'm happy to talk about it and happy that we've had this opportunity today to you know, bring that out and open a little bit more as well. Were you going to talk about this stuff with me today? Was that part of the plan? Uh, it's certainly something that I had considered when it was first put to me that we might have this opportunity, um, but this would be a, a chance for me to um, yeah, mention some of these things and just get a little bit more awareness put out there. Um, so that perhaps even the people that I haven't met through um, my time at council yet can, next time they do run into me, they're like, oh, yeah, that, that's that guy, and he is doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, well, you are doing pretty well. You've got a senior role here. Yeah, I'm pretty happy with the, the way that things are going for me here. Um, you know, I, when I decided um, that I wanted to get in the line of sort of council work it was Lake Mac that I wanted to work at and I implemented a a four-step plan to get here and it took me a 
a couple of interviews, a um, couple of, but eventually um, I was given the opportunity, and and now I was, I was saying just the other day, like I hope that I end up being one of those people that get like a thirty year, forty year certificate for for working here, because I can't think of a better organisation um, to be working for. The way that every day I get up and I get to provide tangible difference to the way that our community like runs and behaves and and operates um i gave a a speech and an awards night the other day and i i sort of mentioned it was following an interview i'd done uh, an interview for a new project manager and, and the interviewee asked me a question at the end of it said you know why do you like working at lake mac and my response was quite simple like as a lake mac boy born and bred every day i get to get up and come into the office and make a difference for my community. Mm. When I build a, a skate park, it's my nieces and nephews that get to go and play on it. Mm. When I make a um, shared path, it, it's my grandparents that are the ones exercising on it. Yeah. And when we make stuff like the Learn to Swim pool up at Charlestown, like it's, it's my kids and my friends' kids and all the other little people, special people in my life that get to go and learn lifelong skills and... Being in a position where I can make that sort of impact is is just phenomenal. It sounds like you've got your dream job. Pretty much, yeah. I cannot think of maybe a you know media personality for Chicago Bears, but outside of that, <laughs> yeah, definitely, I, I love it and wouldn't want anything different. Can you remember what your four-step plan was to get a job here at Lake Mac Council? Can you remember what number one was, number two was, and then so on? Certainly. So I allowed myself two years per step. I was currently uh, not working in engineering, hadn't been working in engineering for about three years at that time. I was working at a training organisation and I went, step one, I need to refresh my skills so that I'm able to get my foot back in the door. So that was to do my Masters of Engineering Management. Step two was to, to use those uh, refreshed skills to get a job at council, any council, anywhere, temporary, contract, whatever it was. And I did that by getting a two-year contract at Cessnock Council. Once I had my foot in the door, step three was to get a permanent job at a council somewhere, just so that I had that bit of security, which I was fortunate enough to get a project manager job down at Central Coast Council. And then step four was to leverage all of the experience I had gained and the security of not needing to jump into just any job, but being able to wait for the right job to come up, mm. um, to find the right job at Lake Mac Council to come across to. And, and fortunately, in um, 2018, uh, oh, sorry, 2019, I was um, given the opportunity by a brilliant manager here, Brent Willem, to come across into his team and never looked back. Mate, that's such a great formula there and you, that you've mapped out and planned out. I reckon most people, the vast majority of people, would not plan that way to get a job. They, you know, It might be just waiting for a job to come along and applying for it without thinking of the, the, the fact that there might be a process. So that is obviously one of your strengths. Uh, yeah, definitely. So... Um Looking at the big picture and strategising and working out how to get there and then you know, formulating a plan is definitely something that plays into mm-hmm. to, to my strengths there, yeah. What do you do away from work? What's, uh, once you, you know, you clock off for the day, 
what are you doing, Brendan? You sit down and watch some Netflix and unwind. Do you do you do you go and read a book? Do you just go and lie on the floor and do some yoga? What do you do? Um, so I still like playing a bit of sport. I currently like to gloat that I'm a dual sport athlete. It's only the most uh, amateurous level that you can get, but I play basketball and soccer for a bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Wearing the ice vest? Uh, well, when I'm on the sideline, I wear the ice vest to, to cool down or mm-hmm. yeah, go through a ton of water. If it's, They don't like that on the basketball court. You've got to keep that one for soccer. Um, outside of that, I wish I could read, but you know, concentration isn't quite there most of the time. Um, and that's one of the things you thought, well, there's some AD, ADD here. Yeah, that, that, that's part of it. Uh, I'm, I have a propensity to, um, to undertake like, projects, come up with an idea for a project, go out and buy everything, and within about a week and a half, the challenge is gone. And mm-hmm. You're left with a whole heap of stuff. There's so many projects just sitting on the garage floor at the moment. Mm. Um, I've worked out some tools to get around that. Mm. So, uh, for example, um, if I tell my son that I'm building him something for it, I refuse to let him down. So, you know, for his first bed, I made him a, a massive fire engine bunk bed with working flashing lights and wow. and and all of that. Not bad for a guy that failed year eight woodwork. Mate, that's fantastic for a bloke that failed year eight woodwork. Fantastic effort. Yeah, but the, that's the secret is um, to to tell other people what I'm doing and then it kind of stops me from being able to um, just lose interest, I guess. Mm. Mate, it's been inspirational having a chat to you today. I told you, everyone's got a story. I've never heard... I've never done an interview yet where there hasn't been a story or some really fascinating things come out from that story. And you've, uh, you know, this has flown by. The time has flown by, uh, Brendan. So, mate, thank you very much for joining me today on the Lake Mac Way. Thank you very much. The Lake Mac Way is produced by Lake Macquarie City Council.